Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. Lars Tiffany, head coach of the University of Virginia. Looks like you're in the office right now. I jumped in the office. I think I'm the only one in the building, um, you know, as we move through this new reality of uh, zombie land. Um, but um, it's, it's good to talk lacrosse. It's good to be around lacrosse after a couple of days of uh, transplanting holly bushes and um, attacking the yard. I know. And I'm afraid there's just going to be another several weeks of this, at least. Right, right. And, uh, and, and that's if we're lucky, you know, and that's if we're fortunate. And hopefully everyone's doing this, taking it seriously, the quarantining, sequestering ourselves. Because it seems like that's the, uh, if we've learned anything from um, China and South Korea and the rest of the world, that that's the only way to really contain it quickly. I'm John Canaris, founder of Oxia Time, a watch company specializing in university branded watches. Before I fell in love with watches, I fell in love with lacrosse. Maybe you've heard of the Air Gate. Well, that was me and goal that day. We may not have won the national championship, but we did win the Ivy League that year and two years before. The first time, we got a ring that we never wore. The second time, we got a watch that while it had great sentimental value, the quality didn't match the significance of our achievements or the memories we created. Ever since then, I've looked for a watch with the design and quality that would live up to my experiences at Penn. After 30 years of looking and not finding what I wanted, I decided to build it myself. At Axia Time, we create Swiss-made automatic watches with stylish designs and quality befitting the universities we represent. Premium watches without the premium price. Check us out at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. So, um, you know, unfortunately, the reality is uh, we're not going to play the college lacrosse season in 2020, or probably a lot of high school lacrosse either. And, um, you know, so somebody's going to take advantage of this. Some people are going to find opportunity um, in, um, in disappointment. And um, obviously getting to talk lacrosse with you today is a, is a little piece of that. And uh, I'm excited. Yeah. To do this. Well, me too. And um, first of all, I always love talking lacrosse with you. We, uh, we really should have started recording these calls like 25 years ago. <laughs> they were always good. You know, for something, at least for me and you, they were good. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> um, and I also think like... <clears throat> I don't know. We're all staring at the news, the news feed on our phone, on whatever. <clears throat> and it's just hard not to just think about this coronavirus all the time. And so maybe we can shift our own attention and everybody else's away towards something else for a little bit, maybe make the day a little bit better. No sports on, but we can at least talk a little across. It should be better. Absolutely. It's interesting how us athletes and coaches are so connected. Um, to the opportunities of sports and we probably take it too far right espn at night watching random sports whether we even coach them or not but you know now we got to break out of our our comfort zones here and uh read some more books enjoy the arts something i don't appreciate enough uh you know but then obviously within our professions it's almost like a a second chance for the 2020 season and the 2021 season not now some things will change right the incoming freshmen will be in our programs 
um, and not everyone will return who could have the opportunity to graduate this spring. But in a, overall, it should be a reset. And, and so each program, while they may want that reset or not, you know, there are some undefeated teams out there in Division I lacrosse as well as Division II and Division Three men and women. But can we grow from it? What did we learn that we didn't get off to as good a start at? What were the things that held us back? Was for University of Virginia men's lacrosse, was there too much pressure? Did we not perform at a high enough level when you should expect that you're going to get everyone's best punch? And, um, and what weren't we not doing well? And so we've got this rare opportunity, and not that four and two, which our record was, was the end all be all. Like, okay, that's an awful start. No, we had some good wins in there, but it certainly didn't feel great how we were playing. And, um, and of course, you can say, hey, you weren't very good at the beginning of 2019 season either, Lars. So, uh, and so you need the whole season to the race to improve. But um, it's we're probably going to overanalyze those first six games more yeah. than we should. But we're certainly going to analyze them and and recognize we weren't strong in the transition game, which surprised us. Um, we were good, but not greater than we should be at the faceoff and goalie play, which we had been at the end of last year. Um, and uh, and some other issues that uh, we just weren't clicking at. And um, so we'll certainly opportunity to grow. Yeah. And, you know, there's a big target on your back. Right. And I, and I, and I think we understood that, but I don't know if we really could, could grasp what that would mean. You know, as they say, we had this is exercise. And I think I may have brought up once before we did an exercise in the fall. Why is it hard to repeat? Why is it hard to defend? And uh, we went through several steps. And so we said, first, okay, fellas, let's look at Division I men's across, Division I men's basketball, and college football. Last 20 years. And there's very few repeats. In basketball, there's one. Florida, 06, 07. In football, there's one and a half. Alabama did it, had a repeat. They only have one repeat, by the way. And uh, was shocked me. And then USC shared one year, like 03, and then won it outright the following year in football and in college across there's actually been a couple right uh, duke did it um syracuse did it 0809 and uh princeton did it just before our 20-year time frame that we chose i said okay i think we've proven it is hard yeah now why and so we threw out those uh, to their group in our cultural meetings and we talked about them and we threw up ideas we had 12 different ideas on the board of why and the point of the exercise was not necessarily what those answers were there were some good answers and and but it was really, okay, now which ones of those do we control and which ones are out of our control? And a majority of them were within, were within our control. Some were not. Sometimes you, you run into a buzzsaw. Some, some teams just, they just, they were great that day. And that's kind of how I felt when we played Princeton this year. I was like, yeah. I slept okay that night. I usually don't sleep well after losses, but I slept well. Like, okay, we couldn't guard Michael Sowers and they were the better team today. You know, we're going to learn from this. And they um, made a lot of saves. And the goalie made a bunch of saves, right? He played, he played really all Peters. And then, and then we, um, oh, is he? <laughs> and then we, um, then we just talked about sometimes, sometimes you graduate a lot of key personnel from the team that wins the title and you're just really different the next year. And yeah. that's out of your control. Um, and that was sort of us. We were good in terms of offense, but we had a lot of losses on the defense end. And so, but it was the exercise itself was really positive for us. What do you control? But even having gone through that, I don't know if we really understood the ramifications of playing Princeton when they're, they're really talented and they're fired up to play the defending national champs, which we didn't call ourselves, but everyone 
else calls us that. Certainly going at Brown, our alma mater, playing up there in Providence, Rhode Island last week. Holy cow, they were inspired to play. They did not have the greatest first half, but they came out and punched us repetitively in that third quarter. And, um, and they, they earned a win. They earned a, they earned a win up there on Stevenson Pinson's field in front of a ton of alums and, and yeah. uh, a lot of our good friends. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Andy uh, Towers uh, made this comment several times that uh, you didn't hit, probably have to go up and play that game up in Providence. You know, um, you are an ACC, you know, big, bad Virginia. You, you could do what some schools do and just welcome anybody who wants to play you to come down to Charlottesville. Right. You made, <laughs> you made that. And I, you know, I mean, listen, it's uh, the, the season's over, so you can kind of look back and there, you don't really know how it, how it adversely affected you other than the fact that you lost the game. But I think it's a good move. Like, why not test your team? And why not grow the game? And why not, you know, give, you know, like I know you've played at high points also. I mean, I noticed you played two in a row at home, but, you know, sure. that's, that, that you can do that if you want to also. But I do think, um, you know, I do think it was a, I think it was a good thing to do. And, I, th and I, don't, I don't think it was a bad thing for your team, even though it put you in a tougher competitive position. Sure. And I appreciate you saying that. It's, I can give you reasons why you shouldn't. Uh, first of all, Dom Starge always told me no, and he's a really smart man. And uh, he was never coming to Providence, Rhode Island, but because um, of the emotional connections, which I certainly felt last year when we won in overtime and this year when we lost by one, you know, how emotionally draining it can be as a former Brown lacrosse player and Brown lacrosse coach who was always excited, thrilled, wanted nothing more than to have big wins for Brown to now be on the other side of that Sunday night. Like, wow, Brown's just had this good, good win. And, I'm not happy, but all, most of my best friends are, you know, and <laughs> that was emotional confusion. I will tell you that was, I did not sleep Sunday night. Um, and, uh, uh, but it is, I think, you know, and I can tell you some other reasons why not to play. You know, it's, it's interesting with the current NCAA selection criteria that it's so heavily dependent upon RPI and RPI is really based on wins and losses only. And it connects to your opponent's wins and losses. And so when you're in ACC school, you play a lot of really high quality teams just by nature of the league play. And geographically, we have access to some really good teams only a couple hours away. And um, when you're the Brown coach, and I was in that seat for 10 years, it's more difficult to schedule a number of premier games. Now this year was different, right? Cause the Ivy league was having their best year ever, you know, and you had five, yeah. uh, if not, you know, a bunch of quality, quality teams there where they could be ranked in the top 10. So this year was a little different. But typically, you know, if you're in one of those markets uh, like I was when I was the head coach of Brown, you're, um, you're searching for more quality games that can help your RPI. And right. so you're willing to spend $30,000 flying south and, uh, and taking on, as we did, Duke and North Carolina. And then we inserted ourselves into the ACC tournament um, in 2016, and we played the fifth place team, which that year happened to be Virginia. So, um, so economically, it's of value to spend $30,000. When you're the Virginia coach, there may not be as such a justification for going sure. to New England to play that game. But, you know, we're, uh, we're fortunate we've got a good budget, and I, and I wanted to do it. And uh, I wanted to help the alma mater, and, uh, and I understood how hard it is to schedule those games. Um, so I appreciate Andy Towers mentioning that. Yeah, but, um, but more so, is but, uh, good... but it will never happen again. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably financially, it's well, a little tricky to justify this. <laughs> I mean, um, I invited Dom out 
Um, I, well, I invited Pete Lasagna out to Brown for 5,000 bucks in 2000 to play us at Denver and he came away with a win. Yeah. We invited Dom out in 2004. That was his first and last trip out there. And we came away with a win. And then, like, literally one day, he's like, hey, I just want to schedule 2005 with you if you want to. Um, and I, f- I remember feeling bad for you in 04, you know, not, you know, and because uh, you, you got that big winner. You, you, you beat Dom early in the year, 2004. And you just know, you know, you have a really high quality win in your back pocket the rest of the year. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, Dom had his probably worst season as I had. I think mean, they were like five and eight or five and eight. Yeah, they finished five. And but eight. you know what? Their RPI was still like 11. Wow. <laughs> See, that's it, right? Just yeah, just yeah. being in the ACC, yeah. you can you can have a bad season. And yeah, their RPI is stacked up. I mean, it wasn't it good did. enough for us to make the tournament that year. But but yeah, I mean, listen, um, it's uh, it all it sounds like a great trip until you go up there and, and don't win. And then it's like, all right, let's it, just stay it, home. It was unbelievable trip. Like Saturday was more fun than I thought it'd be. The, the highs were higher than I thought they'd be. The lows were lower. The Saturday running around town, Brown alums got together at Flatbread Pizza right there off the Air Street. I swung by for a few minutes. I got to see Ken Fitzsimmons, a really good friend, uh, an alum of Brown Lacrosse. I saw Goldberger, Mike Goldberger, and his son Kevin for lunch. Um, I got to see all the different personnel. Chuck, who works the door, you know, Ann Dwyer, Jack Hayes, AD. I could see so many, so many people and. It, I was on cloud nine and then uh, and Monday was a great day. We went up to Boston and did an in-market career networking session led by Tucker Radeball. You know, we've done one every year at Brown and or excuse me at Virginia. And we were able to have uh, 12 different speakers. And that was a fantastic day in downtown Boston and walking around the city. And um, yeah, everything was great except. Yeah. Sunday. except but you know, but that, part of the reason why I said that I think, you know, doing those kinds of things are good is because they're just good experiences for your athletes. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's probably not the best thing to lose the game. And if you give yourself a better chance at home, which you do, maybe you should never take a trip. But man, it's awfully the team building opportunities when you spend extended time. It's, it's hard Literally. to put a value on that, but there is a value. Absolutely. My, my men would say, because our first five games are home. I've, I've learned what you're supposed to do as an ACC coach. You know, I used to complain about these guys when I was at Brown, but now at Virginia. Oh, okay. You just play every game home except your league games and maybe one other. And and so I've I've quickly adapted that. But my men a couple of weeks ago said, Coach, we can't wait to take a road trip. You know, because we bond more on a road trip. You know, yeah. I remember Jerry Connors. Oh, and um, and in the value playing Brown. You know, it's a team that plays super fast and is aggressive, and and we learn from that. You know, I came away from that game going, you know, maybe we're a little too structured in practice. You know, maybe we're just uh, um, maybe we're outthinking this thing a little bit and. Um, and just to see them play with passion and, and loose and with great energy um, and how they could explode for eight goals in the third quarter because of that. And so it's a, uh, no, it's, it's, it's all good. I, I don't, the results stung. The game itself was fantastic. I mean, 14, yeah. 13, great crowd at the new complex that just opened up and it was, uh, it is good for college across. Now I will talk about the selection criteria. I really do believe that men's lacrosse has to step forward and join many other college sports where you're rewarded for wins on the road. Yeah. Uh, right now, college basketball, yeah. ice hockey, and uh, baseball, all in their formula calculations for the NCAA tournament selection, value road wins. And, uh, and we don't. And so you're right. As we currently have the statuses, why should Virginia ever leave? Um, incentivize us and yeah. make it so that it's a great point 
Yeah, just make it so it's not a one-to-one -one ratio. It's so like, so that it's like so that you don't have to just say sorry, I can't do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I, it's interesting. Basketball gives the most weight, the most weight for a road win, a 1.4 to a 0.6 ratio. So if I, if I'm home and I and uh, my my home team beats your team, I get 0.6 of one value for that. And um, but if you're the road team and you come and beat us, you get 1.4 times the value of it. That's a little extreme. Uh, some of the other sports are around 1.2. But we got to come up with something. Some I, know, I know who can come up with this formula. We got Patrick McEwen. Yes. Lax Film Room. That yeah. guy is so smart. Like literally, people that are listening to this, if you, you should follow him. You should read his writing. And if you ever listen to a webinar or talk to the guy, I mean – Honestly, Lars, there's not too many people that when I talk about lacrosse, I literally, when they say, I mean, when he says something, I stop. I try to understand what he's saying and I make him repeat it like three times. <laughs> Seriously, the guy is on another planet. Because he's saying like standard deviation three times in a sentence. Uh, I'm like, oh, okay, what's that? Stuff like on the, he talked about, you know, with the shot clock company, he talked about these sub game tactics in the MLL and I'm, I can't even explain it back. It's crazy. Um, he right, does have some free time probably right now too. Like yeah, all he does, he does. <laughs> you should figure that out. Uh, I mean, did you know that he he came up with like a, he he picks his his uh, formula can pick who's going to make the NCAA tournament, and he was he's been right on the money with the exception of like two teams, you know, uh, flip flopped. Interesting. Uh, pre, I'm assuming postseason. He probably could do yeah, it. Yeah, he picks the NCAA tournament fields. He picks the seedings yeah. and the fields. Um, you know before they're picked. It's pretty remarkable. It's, it's really because of the simplicity of our formula. And that's yeah, why probably. I've helped create this subcommittee, uh, SCR, Section Committee and Ranking, Section Criteria and Rankings Committee. And we're investigating it. And the more I investigate, I'm seeing how much more complex and advanced men's basketball, men's ice hockey, uh, to some extent baseball is compared to men's lacrosse, which is simple, straightforward RPI. And yet everything's been telling us that RPI it's only based on wins and losses. That's not how you measure the strength of a team. Um, if you lose a bunch of games by one and I lose a bunch by 10, the RPI says we're similar because you lost the game. You know, uh, you know and now if, if they were against the same opponents, right, they, they would do a factor in who you're playing. But um, it's, um, I think it's time to move forward and add some of these other criteria, such as road versus home victory, you know, and, and, and margin of victory. Two in a point. You don't want teams running up over ten goals, but you so you cap it maybe seven goals. A any more than yeah. winning by seven, it's yeah, yeah, still, still seven. Yeah. And but there's some thing really think some great things that uh, some empirical win probabilities is another philosophy that can help. So I'm excited to look into this. Um, and again, we got a lot of free time to do that now. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Um, all right, let's talk about the NCAA declaration of. Uh, giving spring sports. Yes. Okay. Um, first of all, how pumped were you and how pumped were your seniors? Yeah, well, twice in the last couple of days during a meeting with the team, and we only meet for about a half hour in those two days, twice um, there was the most shocking revelation came out. The first one we were together and is when we found out that the NCAA championships for both winter and spring seasons were canceled. And uh, that was like flooring for us, right? You know, I'm rattled, couldn't say, I didn't know what to say for 15 seconds. 
we're talking and all of a sudden Sean Kerwin says, coach, I, I gotta, I gotta share an email with the team I just read. And he, he talked, he, he, he uh, read it out loud and we were like, Oh my God. And then the next day, the same thing happens when we're meeting as a team saying, Hey, all right, fellas, you gotta Goodbye, get, I love you. <laughs> I love you. This 2020 season's over as is. And um, this next year of eligibility, we'll find out. I bet the NCAA takes a couple weeks because it's a big issue because there's a financial implications here and some other implications. And, um, and it kept Turner's turn. Coach, I got to read this to everybody. And again, that was much more exciting news. And that was like, yes, you know, a big excitement from everyone in the team. And, I, and I'm glad for both those decisions we were together. That would have been harder to digest apart from each other. Um, but yeah, we're ecstatic. So if I was king for a day and um, I would – give everyone a year back like we did. And I would try to get some sort of waiver financially. It's going to be tricky. Um, I don't think we're going to get the financial. That's going to be difficult to increase the scholarship allotments uh, that each sport is, is allowed. I don't see us going from 12.6 to 15, for example, to, to try to manage. Now that, that has been thrown around. I mean, I, I talked to a Big Ten coach who said that that was, you know, was a possibility. I, I kind of feel like, it might be something that the NCAA says, yeah, go ahead for the next four years, but it's you know up to each institution to figure it out. Same way they figure out their scholarship allotments anyway. Interesting. I, it, there's, some, um, there's a lot of people, obviously we'll get through the next week or so, but they got to figure that out. Like, what are we going to do here? Yeah. You know, for example, for us, we've got, we've got some really, really talented fourth year lacrosse players here in the University of Virginia. Michael Krause, Doc Aiken, and Jerry Connors, uh, headline our uh, our fourth years you know their scholarship allotment has already been designated for the next class yeah. so if they return, am i asking them to come back for free you know am i asking them to take a pay cut like in a sense pay cut you know hey i can't get you what you used to have but we can give you half of what you used to have um or as you're saying, is there some sort of waiver the NCAA is able to say, no, no, no. They can maintain what scholarship value they were at if they decide to return. Um, now. Or if they, they don't graduate. Yeah, it's a good point. Exactly. I mean, if they don't graduate, then you're kind of on the hook, but then that's a problem because you got incoming freshmen coming anyways. Exactly. So if we're able to raise more money to do this, now the people who are in charge of raising that money <laughs> are probably like, what are you doing to us, Lars? You know, what are you doing to us, NCAA? You know, because you know, like I'll tell you what I'm doing to you. I'm I'm I'm, I'm giving you Toxic and Michael Krauss and Jerry Connors. Right. <laughs> and it's gonna cost about $120,000 a year for four years. So exactly. And so we're gonna be able to do that for the next four years, too. I mean, like right. You know, whether it's them or another guy or somebody transferring in. Exactly. So it's it's and and that's where the predicament comes in now. So as you look at the Ivy League, if those guys are able to if the, the conference itself is able to change its own restrictions on playing a fifth year as a graduate student or as a post undergraduate student in some sort of realm, can the Ivy League change that or give a waiver in this one case? Obviously the other alternative is, is to just simply drop out of school right now. And um, in the Ivy League, you have to have an academic reason why you do that. Um, but the situation at hand might be enough pretty, to just- yeah, It's a pretty good reason. Yeah, like you may much say, hey, I, I just don't do well with online courses. I, I do much yeah. better in, in a classroom setting. I need and, and so I think there's there's a lot of ways for the Ivy League coach right now who's looking at his fantastic fourth year, um, a.k.a. you know Jeff T., Michael Sowers, 
Gallagher, Erlen at the Faceoff X, and many others, and saying, how do I keep them? I think there's there's ways for them to make that happen. So what I'm what I'm intrigued with the financial piece of this is going to be difficult if you're the fundraiser for the, the Virginia Athletic Foundation or other institutions athletic foundation. If I don't I, think it's going to be difficult at all. That part is easy. Yeah, I just I guess the hard part is we've probably lost a lot of revenue as an institution, and now they're being asked to raise additional monies. And it's a climate where people's um, you know brokerage accounts have dropped 20, 20 percent. Now those will come back. We hope, we assume, and we hope, but it might be a difficult giving era. Uh, this next year or so. So um, it's, it's, it's an interesting predicament. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in another predicament. You're an incoming freshman. You're a high school senior right now. What just happened to your freshman class? It doubled. Yeah, you know? I know. This is like, there's a trickle down, man. There's a trickle down. <laughs> I mean, I think we're going to see 2020s PG without a doubt. Yes. 2020s are going to take PG years because like, why would you want to roll into a class that has, that already has, you know, a bunch of, you know, a whole class, you know, why would you want to be yeah. in, in, in a two X class? You might have to redshirt anyways, but, but, you know, like, well, that's, I think that's going to happen. And I think it's going to have an adverse impact on the 21s who are then going to reclass to 22 and so on and so forth. I mean, basically four classes of division one men's and women's lacrosse, I mean, college lacrosse have reclassed. Yeah, right. So pretty much like the, the, the high school or, or high schoolers are going to have to consider that along the way. And I, I think it's, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts. I mean, I, I've been thinking a lot about this, but it's pretty crazy. It is. And I'm, um, I, it makes sense to me. I've actually, I've actually already had one approach me um, about the idea. Uh, it was uh, supposed to be here in the fall of 2020. Like, hey, uh, what about this idea? And my initial response is it's a great idea. I think most of us, especially most of us boys, when we're 17, 18 years old, can make tremendous growth, both academically, athletically, and maybe most importantly, emotionally with that extra year. Uh, Some people do it in, you know, repeat eighth grade or ninth grade. And, you know, but for others who haven't done that yet, this could be a fantastic opportunity for that year of growth. I know in the air, when the men who maybe didn't get into the school they wanted or decided late to PG, not that it was their first choice, usually didn't like the idea at first talk to him a year later talk to almost to a man a year later that was the best thing ever for me um so i don't push it but if people come to me right now that may be the right idea so instead of being one of 22 essentially with going into your first year of eligibility at the university of virginia or wherever you go back you know into being one of 10 or 11. um so that certainly makes sense um some of the predicament can be though then this is just a logistical thing is admission spots like those guys who've been admitted in a class of 2020 if they go pg we now have to use another admission spot on them because there's new grades there's there's new information um i am gonna we're gonna i think virginia and other institutions will be certainly saying hey this is a rare time can we can we look at that and uh and not, you know, because when you look at the Ivy Leagues and um, uh, Virginia, Duke, Notre Dame, where there's only 10 spots, roughly, maybe 11, where some schools have unlimited number of admission spots, the schools with uh, stronger academic prowess and greater reputations, there's going to be a bigger, bigger, stronger pull to get in. So then the admission spots are fewer for us. And, um, and so it's like, okay, so what happens if Joey decides to PG 
uh, I just lost that admission spot because I can't find someone else right now in 2020. So it's, it's so there'll be some little things like that. But I think overall, I think you're right onto the right idea that, you know, in terms of taking that extra year could be the smart thing because you don't want to be part of a 20, 25 man class. Uh, yeah, I know. It's crazy. And, and by the way, um, you know, I want to stay on this topic because I want to talk about the trickle down a little bit. But before we do, what about the just the pure roster size? Absolutely. I mean, like, you're just yeah. still not everyone's going to come back. We already know that because guys that don't play a lot probably aren't going to do that. Right. right. So you, what you're really talking about is the people that do play a lot, which was in any given senior class, you know, might be two or three as much as seven or eight. Right. I mean, right. average. Right. That are real contributors that would take the extra year. But still, it's hard to add that onto your, your, yeah. your how many lockers do you have? At right. <laughs> Yeah, you think about the infrastructure issues that, that are at play here, but you're right. So let's say about half of the graduating class comes back, you know, depending on the school, they'll have more or less, but let's say it's about half. So you got five guys coming back and, but most of the incoming freshman class shows up. You're right. What if your locker room is built for 45 guys? Yeah. Or even 50 guys. You yeah. probably had it full. No matter what your no locker room. what you had it, you probably had, you had it full. You were at capacity. Exactly. Sure. And, or you're just, now, and depending on the size of your lockers, which, uh, you know, some of, some people already have the two and a half to three foot width already. Um, yeah. we're, in a, we're in a transition phase right now. And so we're, uh, we're, we're, we're moving from one locker room to another in a couple of years. So yeah. we're in a transition phase. So our lockers are not two and a half to three feet wide. So doubling up a locker is going to be really challenging. So you're right. I think people are going to be putting in a couple of lockers in the corners that we used to put. You guys stick. You guys might have to just build another trailer. We may have to build another large, supersized trailer, right? And uh, <laughs> but yeah, in terms of logistics, uh, now hopefully the same issues are for the men and women, so the Title IX issues don't come in. What if you're at a school where, like, hey, when I was at Brown, we were told 38 men, no more, not even a half a man more, um, no more. Yeah. Well, the, the hope is that well, the women will have similar decisions to make. But so Title IX wise, everyone just grows at the same. But that could become a factor possibly with some institutions if if the male female balance was relying um on men's across in the spring and a women's sport in the fall to av average each other out right. um, now fortunately most programs have women's across that have men's across but it's a um yeah there's some of those ramifications but yeah the infrastructure so i was starting to think about like having been at brown for 10 years before i came to virginia i was used to coaching practices with about 35 men because we were hard cap 38 hard yeah. cap and um, and so with a couple of injuries, a couple of guys going, whatever, 35 men. You know, now I'm in Virginia and our practices. I was usually at best, too. Yeah, at best. Now we're in that 40, 42 range of Virginia. You know, I'm going to have to really think about the practice plans um, if all of a sudden there's 50 guys out there. You need another station. Exactly. I need more stations. And we saw a little bit of that difference this year going – because my first three years at Virginia, we were always around 40, 41. So it was pretty similar to Brown. This year, we were 45. We saw a little subtle difference in terms of how much conditioning the men were getting. Because we try not to run. We try not to do sprints. We just want to create fully engaged two-hour high-intensity practices. Are you doing a little more standing around? Well, certainly going to be the case next year if we're 50. You yeah. know, and, uh, and so I'm going to have to really reassess and, and tweak the drills and how many stations we have to make sure – or we're just going to have to do more sprints, which is not ideal. I want guys getting their conditioning and training while thinking with a lacrosse stick in their hand. So it's, um, yeah, so these are subtle things, not big deals, yeah. but things that we've already started thinking about. 
All right, so we think about this universally. Everybody is going to be trying to accommodate their best players to come back. I mean, just think about yes. how much better we would have been, you know, in 87 if Gagnon and Muller yeah. <laughs> and all those guys, you know, were on the team when you were a freshman, right? I mean, we had a pretty good team anyways. I, I always remember thinking that. And by the way, the five classes for four years worked pretty well for Duke too, didn't it? It absolutely worked really well. There's the precedent, right? They were they were given that extra year by the NCAA, just as we were uh, allotted this two two days ago. Um, but they were not given a scholarship enhancement. Um, no, they were told you've got to still work within you the twelve. Figure it out. And so, uh, you know, uh, I know most of them stayed. Not everyone, because maybe financially they, there was better offers out there somewhere else. Uh, maybe like Zach Greer. I know he ended up at Bryant with Mike Presser. You know, and I think also that was due to faith. That was love. personal. Yeah, personal that he really um, had tremendous faith and trust in, in Mike Pressler. So, uh, and joined him up in uh, Smithfield, Rhode Island. So it's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah. I, I know you, you, you just use an example that kind of rattled me a little bit because you're right. If if uh, those guys had been around in '87 and Darren Muller and some of those other defensemen, I wouldn't have played much. <laughs> you know, and uh, and it's uh, it's interesting to think about how that works, but certainly would have been a better lacrosse team. Probably those some fantastic yeah. lacrosse players. And well, you know, you might have had to take a PG year. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. I mean, honestly, it's kind of crazy. So you figure these 2020s have four years of being the youngest, of, you know, or, or not being the youngest on the team, but four years of, of, the, of this five classes. Yeah. And again, they don't get their high school year. Like they're not, and they don't, they don't get their high school year. And yeah, that's right. And, yeah. the, and the guys that they're going against that are now in their class really did get, I mean, even though this men's lacrosse season was cut short, the regular season only goes on for really another four weeks. I mean, like the, the meats of the work, your freshman got that lacrosse experience. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, like the whole fall ball, all the physical. Absolutely. The I mean, you guys have practiced a lot. Whereas high school is like a weekend. We're not even, you know, they may they, not even start it. They're really getting pinched. The, again, I'm trying to look at the silver linings of the positives. One is our defense. We were very, uh, very inexperienced this year. When you look at, for example, when we played Maryland last year, 10 months ago at Hofstra in the quarterfinals, um, when I look at our six-footers, our defensemen, and I look at our short-stick D-middies, literally three of the four short-stick D-middies were gone from last year's team due to graduation. And four of our five six-footers were gone, one due to graduation, and we had several injuries going into this Maryland game. And so we've been playing a ton of young guys. And, um, and I look at that as so valuable that Quentin Mansui and Scott Bauer and Jake Giulieri with, uh, with, a, with the long stick in their hands. And then looking at some of our younger D middies, uh, how much valuable experience we were just able to gain. Cause you're right. We had just about six months together. Um, yeah. So that was really, really uh, tremendously helpful as we go into next year um hopefully with all that experience and then some of these guys getting back like Kate Southstad and um from injuries as one example so the class of 2020 you know you're going to see people PG and it's going to be a good thing for them and it's going to be a good thing for the program that's part of the reason why I think people will do it yes like, I, I don't really feel like you know I'd rather have five years to play four starting when I have you know when I'm like a little bit when I'm not in the class of 22 and the coach is going to be like, if you really feel that way, I'll support it. And then might high five if they, you know, get their 
brand name in back or whatever. And they got yeah, exactly. back, right. I mean, so, but, um, but then how does it impact the next class? Because yeah, class point. of 2021, um, there's a lot of kids that are committed and there's a lot of spots open, but now everyone's going to be thinking about the possibility of the next rounds of fifth year players out of the Ivy league that are going to transfer right? And your own players as fifth years, and you got to start saving some money and maybe some roster space. And you can see it impacting that next class. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about the Ivy League thing that continuing on. Um, no, you're really, you're, you're right. It's, um, you wonder like how many guys when they made their 21 commitment, we, we are already thinking about the 20s, but yeah, even the 21s, you know, especially the specialty areas, like a goalie or a face-off guy, you know, and um, does that change their decision all of a sudden if, wait a minute, you know, uh, that hotshot goalie is going to be back next year, you know, um, or in two years from now, he's still going to be there? Yeah, no, I, I hadn't really thought about that, that the, the, the sequence of that in, impacts. I think if you're, you know, Nick Bell and some of these uh, fantastic prep schools, you're probably being inundated right now with phone calls, you know, and you're saying, huh. We don't have much spots here, you know, trying to get all these guys in. Maybe we're going to see more of what college football already does, the red shirting. We're, um, it doesn't happen too often. We were actually doing it with Connor Schellenberger. I know. Tell me about that. You know, and really top level impactful offensive player, a bit brazen by us, right? To say, hey, we don't need you this year. And we'll, we'll take you in 2024 as opposed to 2020. We're going to add up your four years starting in 21. Well, you know, all of a sudden, you know, everyone get the red shirt at Connor. And now if I'd known this, we wish we'd had you for this for six games and the scrimmages. And, but, um, but so, but with this reality, how many more schools think, all right, well, just show up here class of 20 and we'll talk about red shirting. It is nice that we have until essentially January, early February to make that decision. You yeah. can compete in fall scrimmages now and not burn a year. You know, it's only until the spring scrimmages um, do you, or spring games and contests. Do you now, burn that year so you can have four or five months to see where you are see your status and then say hey you know what i want to redshirt this season and um and not compete so you probably see more of that as well i think you probably will uh, but i also think that like you know if you have a choice between a, a pg year and a redshirt year you might as well just take the pg year yeah and i mean there's a, you're there's not a develop as much but you're still going to have five years to play four when you get there good point right as opposed to when you right now honor only has four years to play four Right. Yeah. When you do that red shirt thing, as you, if you start, yeah, I mean, Connor Schellenberg showed up here, he decided to red shirt. And so he knew moving forward, he had four years to play forward. There was no more little hiccups along the way. There's rare, rarely the NCAA does allow some six year waivers, but there's gotta be some to see. You still have five years to play four actually. Yeah. I mean, now moving forward, he does, he but does. I, I was proving your point. Like, yeah, it's better to come in to PG and then you know, starting off, you are you start with your five. To play. You got five years to play four. He Where's would have had four years to play four, but since it's a total redo, exactly, he actually got at least got to develop in a Division One program, which is that that is the advantage. There's you know? a big advantage there. Peyton Cormier, he was he was committed to coming as an as in the fall of nineteen or to to be as coming as a nineteen, and um, we accelerated as a coaching staff. Kip, Sean, and I we said, you know what. We could use you sooner. Coming as an 18, don't PG. Um, then he hurts his knee, 
Um, and so now he is going to be here for five years and maybe six now. <laughs> and, um, and, and to his advantage, for his family's advantage, University of Virginia is paying for this. Whereas the PG route, um, yeah. maybe, you know, the, uh, you know, the family has to find that money, you know, depending on the scholarship or financial aid assistance coming from that, that PG school. So, so we do see a lot of advantage of doing the training with us. Um, but there certainly can be um, that PG route. That's so a big advantage. There's no doubt. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how this, which, which, um, which way you go. I probably tell you, I talked to one uh, 2020 this morning. He's like, coach, I'm, I'm probably losing my spring season. I've got not a whole lot to do. I can't wait to get to college. <laughs> you know, And so I know he does not want to wait another year. He wants to get there right away. And so I, I certainly see a lot of those people, but it'd be interesting to see if we talked to Nick Bell and Chip Davis and, uh, you know, uh, Brody Merrill and such, how many spots do you have left? Because you're going to get inundated. The supply of number of people who are going to be calling you saying, Hey, we're thinking about doing an extra year now. Um, is going to be much greater than normal. And, and this is late. This is late in the game to be adding PGs. But, um, yeah. And if you don't know, Nick Bell, head coach at Taft, Chip Davis, head coach at Deerfield, and Brody Merrill, of course, at the Hill. Up yeah. There area. Um, how about this? I, I got a question for you. I was thinking about this whole fifth year thing. It's pretty hard for the Ivies to take advantage of it. I, 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 I have a sense that, They'll probably get a bunch of guys to withdraw right now. You know, um, somebody told me that a, a very good Ivy team, all their guys have withdrawn. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> I'm not going to say the name. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I was talking to uh, Torp about that yesterday. <laughs> but, but let's just say that you could get away with that. Cause you said, like you said, like it needs to be for academic reasons that yeah. you're going to do this. But I guess my take on this is right now the Ivy League is arguably was arguably the best conference. Yeah. The NBA, right. Right. Um, and yet they're really not going to be able to take advantage of the five classes for four years as easily mm -hmm. as well um, as everybody else. And um, what, what do you think the impact is going to be? I, I feel like division one lacrosse is going to get much more competitive. Absolutely. As competitive as already is. I mean, you add five classes, everyone's going to get better. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about this perspective. You're right, because you look at college football, and they already have five years of men on those campuses. You know, the model of redshirting is well entrenched, whereas it doesn't happen that much with our sport. We've almost been forced into that, right? And so you would think it'd be more competitive. The practices, just getting – you know, playing time, just getting on the roster be, just became more competitive. And yeah. so will that raise the bar relative to the Ivy League where you can do it, but it's a lot trickier, as you were, as you were mentioning. And it's um, – it, For most of these people, they're going to have to withdraw now and take a fall off. Yes. Or take two falls off, finish out the semester here and take two falls off. Yeah. And if you were a fourth year, you, you were set to graduate um, – you got to justify, you know, and again, we talked a little bit earlier about how you could justify it, but yeah, you got to take the fall off and then show up again next spring. And, and, and hopefully in these extenuating circumstances, the Ivy institutions will, uh, will grant clemency and allow people to do that. 
um, you know, as much as, as much as us non-Ivy guys are drooling over a couple of those guys and hoping we get a phone call, you know, there's a part of me like, Hey, they started with that school. They should finish with that school and they want to play with their teammates. I get that. I have a little more empathy for maybe the player like myself, you know, the, the kind of the average Ivy league lacrosse player, you know, it's like, Hey, Lawrence, just go ahead and graduate. We'll be okay without you. You know? And, and I feel like I'm having some of those conversations soon with some of my men. You know, we mentioned the three obvious ones, you know, Docs and Jared and Michael Krause. And, um, and, and then we have some other guys, great guys. I love them. They help our team. They help our practices. But they're like, Coach, you know, I don't play much. Should I stick around for a fifth year and not play much more again? And, um, and, and you're, and you're right. You're right. I, I, and I don't want them to feel compelled to come back. But I also want to make that balance of I don't want to feel like I'm pushing them out, too. So I know that's really hard because, I mean, at the end of the day, you're not going to have enough space. Exactly. I, I, I need scholarship. You're just not. And, I um, need and what happens it. when Michael Sowers calls? Right. Exactly. This is what I'm envisioning. Michael Sowers calls, you know, ACC or Big Ten school. Right. ACC or Big Ten school calls uh, a big scholarship 2020 says, I really think you ought to PG. And then they call their 2021. I really think you need to be a 22. <laughs> they call, when everyone says yes, they call Michael Sowers back and say, we've got a spot for you. <laughs> Actually, for Michael Sowers, you you say I have a spot, and and I'm not even worried about there. I'll deal with those guys later. You know, uh, <laughs> that's a good point. And, uh, but it's a um, I know it's it's just it's this crazy mindset. Again, my heart, I want those guys to stay with the school they started at, get their degree, play with their teammates. They built strong relationships. They're on great teams, as we, as we talked about. I mean, this is this is almost. I mean, again, maybe we're you know, a little bit self-absorbed, but thinking about in the late '80s, Ivy League lacrosse, how strong it was when you and I were playing. How we had four teams getting the NCAA tournament once or twice, and uh, and and this generation, the 2020, 30 years later, this may be better. I mean, look at that. We had three in the top five, and it's uh, you know, and 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 we lost to one of those teams that's not in the top five. Yeah, and so it's it's a fantastic year, and and so there's a. I, I really would love for them to stay with it, but yeah, then selfishly, right? You get one of those phone calls. We're talking now. They got to be in the transfer portal. And they got to do all the right things before you can have that right, conversation. Right, right, right. Exactly. But it's uh, it's a certainly uh, it's really intriguing. I guess I'm fortunate here that you know we're um, we're in a good position. But we'll we'll find out. We'll find out what Jared, Michael, Docs, um, Justin Schwank, what that crew wants to do, and we'll find out what the other guys want to do with Bruegel and Maloney and Mitch Gordon and and the rest of them. So it's a um, I know I know it's a uh, Uncharted territory. It's crazy. Well, Doc's come back for his fifth year and then go take his sixth year and play football at Villanova for right. Six, right. Right. You know, I think I wonder with him if he's been granted a fifth year for spring sports. But does that mean if he's going to do football, he's got to do football this fall? Oh, I kind of wonder that. I don't know. I don't uh, know. I, 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 my, I don't know how. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's a great question. So that that'll be a question I'll have to ask. So. Does that promote him to do that football here at Virginia? You know, certainly as a Virginia lacrosse coach, because I want him to be here for in the spring. But, you know, is he allowed to? Uh, there's there's rules about when you've been provided scholarship dollars for a sport outside of football, you can't play football unless you count against football's 85 scholarship limit. They don't want, you know, some school saying, "Hey, soccer coach or track coach, here's your new recruits this year," and they're like they, they don't play soccer, they don't run. No, no, that's okay. They're gonna play football, you know. And to prevent that, um, they just they, if you get scholarship dollars outside of football, you can't play football unless football wants to add that to their count. 
And so, so that's the, that's the dilemma that we have. There's a hierarchy there with a lot of different sports, like hockey actually is above lacrosse on that, uh, on that uh, depth chart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we, uh, we have to, uh, uh, so we'd have to figure that one out, but I know Doc's is excited about playing football. That's for sure. He really wants that. And I, I and honestly, I was telling him this two days ago, I think it'd be better for him. Um, Docs has played so much lacrosse in his life that, and he's such a strong, versatile athlete that I think like you and I probably in high school sports enjoyed the change of landscape and the change of scenery yeah. from one sport to another. Um, I think that could help Docs' overall lacrosse game is to, uh, you know, cause he's a fourth year. He's done our drills. He's done our skills yeah, yeah, and he can get better. We all can get better, but he's gotten to a point of like plateau. I think emotionally it'd be fun for him to do a couple different things. So yeah. I'll see if we can work that out. I mean, you could put a long pole in his hands for the hell of it. Yes. Yes, and then remind myself how inferior of an athlete I was to Andy Towers. I can remember that one time at Brown, he picked up a pole one day in practice, and within 30 seconds, like, he's better than me. That's great. I've been playing pole for 10 years, and he's better than me already. <laughs> and it's not even close. Um, so uh, the right now, um, you guys are in a, a dead period? Yes, we are locked down. Not that there's much to go watch and see anyways, but Jamie, you know, 85, 95% of my job is coaching and recruiting. So it's like, all right, you know, so you got a, you know, 500 plus a women, you know, a thousand lacrosse programs out there, D1, D2, D3, you know, um, I guess finalizing, we're going to work on our budget a little more in depth than we normally do probably. Um, scheduling, they're already hitting a lot of people talking about scheduling, um, you know, which we always do anyways, but you know, people are trying to nail that down for the 21, 22 seasons. So it's a, uh, yeah, again, I, I like I started this podcast off. I, I was, uh, I was, I transplanted eleven holly bushes yesterday and uh, Friday night. Um, I've got a bunch of firewood. I'm looking forward to attacking. Yeah, but yeah, there's, there's, I, I, you know, it's interesting. We talk about this. One thing I already started thinking is, could this, could this push us in recruiting assessment back to what we were just getting away from a couple of years ago that we didn't like. Imagine that the summer recruiting events, for the most part, don't happen. Let's say the coronavirus isn't gone in two months, that it takes four months. But then September 1 rolls around. Are we looking at film based on ninth grade lacrosse ability and skills? Because there wasn't, I'm talking about the class of what are we talking about, 22, that they didn't have much of a sophomore year at all. And uh, so we're going back on their freshman year in high school and watching film and making those phone calls September 1. Ah, that's the last thing I want to be doing, but that could be reality. So we might be watching a lot of film um, in the next couple of months. Um, uh, of an season, 2019 summer, 2019 fall. Yeah, exactly. Of, uh, of an age group that we didn't want to be looking at of eighth and ninth graders again. Yeah, I was just going to ask you what you thought, what your thoughts were about about the summer, um, and what you know what things are going to look like. I mean, I think we're all kind of hoping, you know, that this thing's going to be over by the middle of May or something like that. Yeah, we're optimistic, we're hopeful, right? South Korea and China. There's a couple examples there. The countries that put people in lockdown and sequestered and quarantined right away contained it. Um, you know, maybe Italy's not the right example, but it seems like they took it a little looser there and um, they're in the throes of it. Um, 
we'd be lucky, I think, if two months from now we're we're moving forward business as usual. Um, and also the reality is decisions will be made before two months on those summer events, probably. Um, yeah, I was kind of thinking about that timing too. I mean, um, if you own a big event. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. You own a big event. You've already put, you know, the $80,000 down on the facility. So you're probably, you know, just, no one's going to be signing up for it now. Right. I, unless you put and on the website, hey, look, full refund, don't worry, sign up. Unless now. you put that on the website. And that's, that's something that we've talked about doing here with our summer camp. Just put it out there. Hey, look, you know, as we're seeing a lot of businesses and industries do, they're giving you full refunds. They, they, they got to do what's right by the customer. And um, A lot of tournaments though are full for summer. Wow. Like it's hard to get to. I mean, yeah, the, the best ones are, 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 are generally going to be a lot. The best ones are pretty close to capacity you know, months ago. Yeah. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And so then, then, then it's like, you know, then you got to figure out, you know, you as the facility, you, you got, you got, you're on the hook for all this, but I, I in other words, I just don't think they're going to cancel it. They're going to cancel it last second would be my guess. Yeah, no, you're right. You probably hold, hold, you hold on. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. You're, you're holding on as long as you can. Um, unless the state's getting involved. If you, if uh, your your facility or institution is sure. guided by state or federal laws, yeah, um, it's um, yeah, uh, you know there is there are insurance there is insurance out there you know but yeah. most of us aren't buying insurance if your events in the summer yeah a little late to call up the insurance industry and say hey can I can I but um, but I knew some so, some camp owners have it because they know that they would be on the hook for fifty or hundred grand of upfront costs. You know, and if all of a sudden there was a snowstorm, which you don't have to worry about for the summer events, but, you know, if there was something, a flood, you know, that knocked you out, you know, but I think a lot of people are like, hey, I don't want, I don't want to throw away three grand in insurance, you know, every year. Why would I do that? You know, you wouldn't because it's the precedent's been set that you don't have to refund everybody anyways. if that happens. Right. But, you know, question. Um, you know, I've got I've got two college kids that are going to be coming home. Um, I am trying to, when I, when, when this first was starting to become apparent that there wasn't going to be practices and things were going to get shut down, but we just, we just didn't necessarily know how serious the element of social distancing and quarantining yourself and just like, you know, flattening that curve, all the stuff we're reading about. I was kind of like, well, you know, I mean, we can, you know, we can use, we can do practice captain's practices the guys right. can, you know I, I coach a girls team and i was thinking to myself well you know they can go play three by in the street and you know that um you know now i'm looking at this and it's just it's just not the right thing to do right to have your kids inter intermingle with all their friends even though it sucks for them and it sucks for everybody it really sucks but it sucks worse if everybody doesn't do that Exactly. Because, because there's going to be a lot of people that are just aren't going to get in a ventilator. Right. And so now you are uh, the leader of 45 college men. What do you tell, what, what's your message to them about their civic and social responsibility to, and, and, and to their, their families? Cause they're just, they're, they're used to, they're used to doing whatever they want when they get to college. 
Right, because we're not part of a totalitarian state. China, when they shut things down, you listen. You know, yeah. You you <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You, you, you're on the streets where you're not supposed to be, bam. Um, we're not used to that in this country. We're used to reading about that or seeing it on the evening news and then changing the channel and going about our day and, and this new reality. I, I went through the same stages as you, Jamie. I can remember, you know, I say I remember, it feels like weeks ago, it was just a couple of days ago, thinking, you know, the safest thing for our men and for their families might be sequester them here. You know, we're all young. You know, I'm the oldest guy here at 51. Let's just, let's just stay here and we can train them and uh, we'll, 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 we'll go from the dorms. We'll put them in the same dorms. We'll come to practice. We'll feed them. Uh, we'll just contain ourselves. And, uh, and recognizing that that's, uh, that's not going to be the reality, obviously. And I'm going home. And so you're same, so same sort of thing as at your home. You're thinking, we're going to have three by in the street. This is going to be fun. What if we got 60, 75 days here of a new reality. All these things we could do. And like, oh no, we can't do that. Oh no, we can't do that. And and I'm looking at my neighborhood. And my daughter, essentially, I think we're coming up with a plan of, all right, we're gonna we get, we can't just be isolated as a home family. I, I don't know if I can pull that off, you know. But a couple families, like the next door neighbors. All right, let, let's create a plan here. Like, we're gonna interact with each other. You know, I got about six kids here. You know, could that be our game plan? And uh, and that, and that's what we uh, kind of limit ourselves with this little little microcosm. And um, but yeah, more so to what your social messaging and the messaging to our teams is, you know, fellows, you know, and especially for a lot of young people, 18 to 22 years old, this could be seen as a time of socializing, partying. Yeah. And because some of the restrictions, the constraints that we put on our athletes is because there is a game. There is something big coming right around the corner. Right now, they don't know that, you know, and, and so uh, there's concern about students going back to campuses. Like, yeah, you've been told to go away we're going online courses but but the people who live off campus which probably half of college students live off campus i got my apartment let's get back together let's have fun times and it's like no we're trying to so i've been you know the my most recent message to my men yesterday was fellas go home you, you gotta go home and um go home and please don't battle your parents when they ask you to stay home I know, I know. That's, that's honestly well, like what, what I'm worried about. Um, you know, and, and it's like, I, I've got reasonable kids and, and I believe that they, they will take this seriously, but, but I, they're also being pulled by, not everybody does, right? So, you know, like there was, you know, look at, look, look on social media. There's, you know, Bourbon Street was packed, you know, spring oh my God, down really? Florida is packed. Huh. I mean, Boston bars were packed. People, you know, people really aren't, I mean, I think a lot of people are, I hope, uh, but trying to social distance, but I think a lot of people, young people really, really aren't, they're just not that worried about it. And, and maybe they shouldn't be, but because for their own sake, but man, they're going to, they're going to infect a lot of people. So yeah. I sent a letter out. I have a bunch of individual athletes that I work with and I sent a, a letter out to them of the, this JM3 athlete response oh, good. Um, to COVID-19. Um, which was kind of the same thing. Like I thought we were going to be able to use this as an awesome opportunity to play. Yeah. Pick up and and, and um, I've really changed my thinking on this. Like we're going to, we're going to, we are going to stay home uh, as a family. You know, we'll play some pick, you know, I got, I got a good two on two game that I can play with my, with my three kids. And maybe, maybe I can, maybe I can get my wife in the net. We can play two on two plus a goalie. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Add her up. 
I got the box pads. No. Um, but, um, <laughs> oh my God, mother of the year. What is there? There are some things that you can do, but it's going to be backyard by yourself. It's going to be with your family. And I, yeah. I just think that, um, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, we could, all these college kids are home. We can create, you know, a, a league of, of wow. high school and college kids. And it's like, sounded awesome four days ago. Now right. it's like, man, you know, we, we, uh, let's just pray that this is a, an, an overreaction. I know. I know. Everyone's sort of asking themselves like, wow, what have you always wanted to do but didn't have time to do? Because now all we got is time. You know, it's such a limited resource and now we've got a lot of it. And um, I know personally, I always, when I was a Brown coach would think about, wow, these professors get a sabbatical. You know, we don't get to do a sabbatical. I'd love to do a sabbatical, you know, and take a fall off, you know, and go do something crazy. Professors haven't made yeah, they got it good. They're the kings and queens of their. They game. really are. They, and they, um, if, if a kid, if if one of their students fails, whose fault is it? <laughs> Not theirs. You lose a game, it's your fault. They fail a class, it's your fault. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. You're right. But everything I think about when I think about a sabbatical, it's like, um, yeah, I would travel. <laughs> you know, I would go someplace great and learn and and maybe do a little teaching and coaching um and so now it's like did i ever want to write a book you know i, I had this vision as it was be a bunch of average books hitting the market two years from now and everyone who probably shouldn't be writing a book thought oh i got some time i'm gonna write a book you know including me so i don't know if i need to write i don't know if the world needs me to write a book so but i've just been thinking about it and you know but more the, the now the telling our message to our men to stay in shape but what does that mean you know i'm like burpees you can do burpees at home, you know, and uh, uh, that means thousands and thousands of burpees because the gym you're not supposed to go to, you shouldn't go to, even if it is. You shouldn't go to gyms. You know, and it's all touching. So you can go for runs. I'm wondering about pools, you know, uh, of course, you don't want to touch anything on the pools, but if you have a pool, you know, I, I don't think the virus does well um, in chlorinated water. So, uh, you know, if you have a pond, pond or a pool. Yeah, pond or a hose for you. And um, <laughs> so uh, we could, uh, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of burpees and, and sprints, uh, kicks and butt. That's the way they stay in shape. <laughs> yeah, well, there is this thing called online education. And, yes. uh, you, you know, there are definitely uh, programs out there for that might give you a little bit um, you know, there's, there's, there's great programs for, you know, athletic development programs where you, if you don't have your own weights at home, you know, but, but huh. if you have nothing, you know, you can, there's things you can do. If you have, you know, some, some kettlebells, there's things you can do, you know, if you have a bench, you know, so you, you just got to figure out what people have. Sort of yeah. Thing. And, and we, I, I work out with a, we call it our old man crew here in Florida and uh, community. And, and um, we get together in the mornings three times a week and we just started sending messages out. We usually wait until April when this, we get more sunlight, but we're like, hey, look, let's do this. And, and a lot of our workouts, we don't touch the same things. You know, we're just at the end of a street doing a ton of burpees, you know, and all the abs and leg kicks you can do and, and jump lunges and pushups, obviously. And we do, and then we run, we do like a sprint and then come back and do some more burpees. And then you do a run and come back and do there's so many things. You just got to get creative. It's, By the it's way, not... I hate to tell you this, but if you talk, if, if, if like top strength and conditioning coaches were listening to you, they would cringe at the, at the burpee. They think it's the dumbest, most useless exercise on the planet. Really? Interesting. Yeah, it, it does get your heart rate up. 
Home. Boy, it gets the heart going. I, uh, I agree with that, but we, we, well, that's, just, that's, that's another topic. But yeah. I, I just had an idea. This is, this is what we need. We need freaking tests. Because if we can get COVID-19 tests, we can just test a crew. Yeah. Quarantine them. And Quarantine. then play street lacrosse. And don't worry about it. Exactly. I know. Or I stick know. a thermometer right on their head like they were doing in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It's, it's good to laugh. I know we're not supposed to be laughing too much right now because we all have people, who, the loved ones over 60, where they're in the prime target area for this, where people with a deficient immune systems and complications. But I know it, it's... Um, I, 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 I tell my men the other day, my, my head understands this mostly. I don't know if my heart does. I don't, I don't know if my heart understands that in a couple of days from now, I'm not going to see you men. I'm not going to see most of you until August, hopefully. Um, and that we're not going to continue doing this. You know, it's like sort of pushing off the inevitable, like, okay, let's meet tomorrow. Let's meet tomorrow. Well, we haven't had a, we didn't have a meeting yesterday. So that Friday, last meeting was Friday. So it takes me a couple of days emotionally to figure things out. I'm starting to like, wow. All right, what is this gonna? What are we doing? Like, I don't get to coach this group, and and we spend a lot of time, as you know, with the cultural Thursdays and the book readings, and, and we're trying to develop and mold and evolve this thing, and, and that means being together, um, and um, and that just doesn't get to happen. And you know, I, I look at some great coaches around me here at Virginia, for example, Tony Bennett. You know what he's able to do with uh, great talent, and some years not so great talent. You know, we're looking at him finish second in the ACC in men's basketball this year when he lost so much last year. The times he spent with his pillars, with his men, developing that mindset. Steve Garland, a wrestling coach, does a great job. Bronco Mendenhall has incredible messaging. And it almost feels like that gets torn from you. Now, fortunately, we have a whole year to get this going back up. But it's like we're not one-and-done type coaches. We're not just rolling out the balls and having the best players go. We like to build this thing together, united. And... I think that's what I'm going to really, really miss the most the next couple of months. Although there's going to be a lot of transfer one and duns. <laughs> I know. Isn't it amazing? It is. Isn't Just think it? about all those fifth-year kids that are really good out of the MAC conference or the NEC or whatever, and they're just like, I got a fifth year. I know. I know. And, and the reality is, though – That's where you should be watching your film. No question. No question. We've talked about it. It's not just the obvious knowns, the, the Ivy League guys, if, if they don't go back. it's if There's a lot. There's endless players. And how about Division three? Well, I wasn't going to say that because I didn't want my competition thinking it, but we talked about it the other day in the office because Sean Kerwin, you know, always brings that mindset. And he's like, Coach, there's some fantastic NESCAC players, guys who can't go back for a fifth year, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, those guys are all like the Ivy guys. They're just – Yeah, they're very similar boat. I mean, it's – They're on the open market. It's – um. Yeah. The problem is, again, the infrastructure, where do we put them? Yeah. You know, it's like, there's so many, there's such a supply for them. There's always a demand for great lacrosse players, but there's less of a, you know, the balance of the supply demand curve. How many, you know, I, I had a friend of mine reach out about his son, who's a fourth year and, um, and he's a good lacrosse player. He's not a great lacrosse player. He's not, he's not Michael Sowers. And I'm like, Normally, most years I'd be like, "Ooh, we could squeeze him in our roster for a fifth year." I, I can't. I, I don't think I. You know, you know. Again, as we mentioned with Sowers, those, that type of player, you find a crowbar, you find you find a way to squeeze him in. You know, the other guys, it's really difficult. I got a great idea. 
What do you got? I can't do it because I have a non-compete. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to put together a uh, a camp for all the transfers that are, that are fifth years to go like play. So you know all these guys that you just haven't nice. seen want to see them, and that'll be there'll be a hell of a turnout for that. That would be. Oh my god, a combine, almost a like combine, a combine for all the all the people that have graduated that can't go back. Yeah, and they don't want to go into the real world, whatever that world looks like in next September. That they want to, that'd be like an NFL combine. It would. That'd be outstanding. Oh my There'd be some good players. I know. We're, we're hearing about some of those. You got to clear some cap space. You got to clear that cap space. You know, uh, I know. It's like if the NCAA gives extra cap space. That 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 will make it in pure insanity. I know it will be. I I I'm I'm, I'm no way they will. But I'm no. pessimistic. I was optimistic we'd get the year back. I'm pessimistic on that point, but you're right. And, 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 and unfortunately this is sort of a hazardous have nots issue in terms of the, the, the clientele you deal with. I was talking to our wrestling coach, for example, when the wrestling coach is most of his constituents are coming from a different socioeconomic class than the lacrosse. And so for the lacrosse player, maybe Doc's Aiken can take half of what he's gotten in the past. Maybe he can't, but I think you're going to hear more yeses in the lacrosse world than the wrestling world. Well, there's like? a lot of people that came to Virginia for $2,000. In lacrosse, yes, exactly. And you, want the, you know, whoever they are, there's a lot of people that came in for $2,000 and you'd be really happy to have them back for a fifth year, even though they probably earned more along the way. But Right, right, right. And so where's that wrestler? And again, our ratio is about the lowest. When you look at 12.6 scholarships divided by 45 or 50 men on a typical roster, you know, so you're talking about 25% for, in terms of grant and aid per If per it was even. If it was even. I don't know if there's another sport that that's low. You know, when you look at all the other sports, they have smaller rosters than us and maybe just as much, if not more scholarship money. So their ratio is not one in four, it's one in two. If it's not full, like football's 85 scholarships, basketball's yeah. full. But the other non-revenue generation. Yeah, like hockey's got like 18 scholarships and 24 guys in the roster. Right. Soccer's right. got what, like, I don't know, 10, but they have like 20 guys in the roster. Yeah, exactly. So, so um, for those sports, a majority of their constituents are relying on a big, big package. And so coming back for a fifth year without money is impossible, you know, or, or close to impossible. Yeah. Or asking for massive sacrifice. Whereas lacrosse, you know, we can adapt, uh, you know, and I lean mean, on. Family by family, but there's definitely a higher, you know, likelihood that, that, that a good percentage of your guys could, could afford a pay cut. Right, exactly. And, um, and so those would be some tough decisions for families. Okay. That, you know, because to be able to get those guys back, it's pretty sick. There's only one ball, though. <laughs> I know it'll be interesting to see who who figures this out the fastest the best but of course we got a couple months to figure this out because there's no recruiting going on yeah, right no. now and uh who's even who even knows if somebody can put themselves in a transfer portal right now I, didn't, I don't know if compliance people are considered essential employees that have to be at work um I know our University of Virginia sent out a note of who the essential employee is and, and um you know I would and, think the transfer portal needs to be open I mean, that's, I think that's kind of important. Don't you? I think, it, it, I, I think you're right, but maybe, maybe, not. Maybe, maybe, not. maybe give it a couple weeks. Maybe to, give it a month. I mean, I guess if everybody just give everybody a month to figure it out. Yeah, a month, a month to think about what you want to do. You know, you, you already had that job offer. You were ready to go. You sure you want to, you know, 
push that off or you yeah because i think everyone's knee-jerk reaction is like i want to keep playing lacrosse i don't want to go to the real world this lacrosse land is fantasy well, land awesome land well, I don't the real world is is not in as good a financial shape as it was either it's going to be you know who know you know I, hopefully we'll bounce back from this but it's it's not great right now that's a really good point i hadn't thought about what if what if some firm saying hey i know we gave you an offer but we have to well, uh, we want you to become a 2020 exactly we're not going to take it away from you but we need you to be a 2021 <laughs> 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 oh, you and I are laughing, but there could be some real no, it's crazy though, because the markets are down 20% and, and hopefully it'll bounce back here slowly but surely. But but yeah, there's gonna be some real decisions gonna be made from people who 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 are uh, really struggling. You know, obviously big firms are, are taking a hit, but, but it's really the common person, right? Who relies on the service industry they're told to stay home and there's not big events, you know, don't go out to the banquets, don't go out to the concerts, and all the employees are dependent on that. God. Totally. All the small business owners. I mean, there's, it's, 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 it's I'm, I'm wondering if you, you might be in a great position, you know. You, I mean, listen, obviously, you don't want to take this point. No, misery. I mean, the bottom line is, is that, um, yeah, being in the online education world, it's pretty obvious that that is, you know, where the direction of things. Um, but sure. man, the way I'm looking at this now is just like, I just, I just want us to get through this. Right. That's really all I'm thinking about right now. And, and doing these conversations helps me because if I don't have a conversation like this or do something lacrosse wise, I freaking stare at my Twitter feed and read about <laughs> all the terrible news. Right. That's all I freaking do. Right. Worry about it. Worry about my dad and, and you know, I like know. stuff like that. It's crazy. I know. As you, you and I were talking, hopefully your dad and my mom, who are both in the health and medical industry, that um, they're, they're smart and take care of themselves. Um, but yeah, no one's, no one's safe. You know, the more the interactions, um, the more travel, the more connections and the higher the risk. And so I know I was, I know I was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, again, I got this urge. I'm like, let's get an RV. We can self-contain Tara, Charlotte and I self-contain yeah. RV, get the bunch of soups, food, you know, travel, um, nuts, berries, Bark. Nuts, tofu, berries, you're right. <laughs> the vegetarian crew. And uh, and it sounds like toilet paper. We've got to find that somewhere. But just just to travel, I've just got this urge. So, I mean, I'm, I guess there's a bunch of great hiking around here. It's a beautiful place to be sequestered, Charlottesville, Virginia. And so we'll be at, we'll be in the woods if you if you can't find me. Well, Lars, thanks so much for coming on. It was uh, fun to talk to you. It was enlightening as usual and fun. Um, and uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and um, I'll be in touch. Yeah, thank you for this, Jamie. All right, man, take care.